You're listening to Pop, the History Makers, with me, Steve Blame. Hello and welcome to the second part of the podcast with Westbam. Now, I don't know if you've listened to the other podcasts, but if you have, you might remember the one with Martin Ware of Heaven 17, where he talked about growing up in Sheffield and how Sheffield and the sound of the clang of steel in the local steel industry in that town influenced him. Well, with Westbam, it's another city which was pivotal to his success, the then walled city of Berlin. One thing Nick Cave said about Berlin is that he gave him the confidence to do yeah. what he wanted to do and not give yeah, a shit yeah, yeah. about what other people yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. yeah Did Berlin have that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I think that is the thing that Berlin has always had and still has today i think and now uh, with my now that i'm a little older and more wise i'd say that story begins way before the 60s that story begins probably with uh, friedrich der große um, that prussian king who probably was a gay guy who kind of like had this kind of also this idea well, you know, everybody should live the way they want to. And he has this very famous quotation, um, jeder soll nach seiner Fasson glücklich werden. So, uh, um, and that kind of like, then he had all these people that were persecuted in France, the Hugonotten, these people uh, for their religion and their beliefs, said, well, join me here in Prussia. You can do it. And he invited Voltaire to his court. And uh, so he, he was uh, kind of like, by the same time he founded the tradition of German militarism, uh, which eventually led to that incredible military power that started World Wars. But then again, he was in a good way, the founder of this, come to Berlin and live and be happy the way you want to be happy, you know? So that's quite co contradictory uh, traditions that I, th I think he founded. William sort of opened doors for you, but he also clearly, you had this potential to do things and to yeah, do and yeah. to take risks and do uh, different things um, and, and including writing um, an article where you described what the future yeah. of the DJ would be and what the future yeah. of cover art as being art. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here comes another story. There was, you know, I talked about my early drawings in the uh, political far left alternative press. One of those guys uh, uh, was like uh, living in Frankfurt, um, a Latvian guy named Indulis Bilzens. And he was kind of like a uh, impresario to William, and he liked William. And William brought me in. And kind of like uh, Indulis always stuck around, and he, he, he had quite an influence as well on William and also on me. And in fact, you know, that what I'm very happy now that this manifesto at the time was released. I had written it for myself, only for myself, and I had forgotten it in William's car. Now, this guy in Dulles found it, and he said, wow, that, that sounds interesting. A DJ as the musician of the future that plays uh, a more minimal kind of really underground music 
and it will be the pop music of the future, but also the underground of the future. Mind you, like in 84, you didn't have techno or house or any of that. You know, you had disco and you had new wave disco, but you didn't have the idea. Also, you had hip hop, but hip hop was about the rapper and stuff. <clears throat> uh, uh, but uh, the idea that the DJ himself would become the artist, that, that was kind of revolutionary. To me, it came natural because, as I say, from my parents' background, Whatever you do is kind of art. So for me to see my DJing as an art form was easier than for other guys. You know, for them it was a job. They would talk about uh, next. Uh, I think next month this record will be big, and uh, you know, uh, and I will uh, program this, and I will, you know, and look at the uh, uh, the record reviews, and well, you know, and talk to my boss about. Uh, you know, the next beach party and all of that crap, you know. So in in that world that I came into, the disco world, you know, uh, all these ideas at the time were completely new and alien. But I would have, I wouldn't have, I, I, I didn't sh uh, um, look for anybody to, uh, 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 to uh, release this text of mine. Um, but Indulis found it uh, in the in the car, read it, and said, "Oh wow, this is like a manifesto." We have, to, and he gave it to a friend of his uh, who had at the time an avant-garde uh, 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 newspaper called Der Niger, uh, uh, and they uh, 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 it was them that kind of like brought it to the public. Audience, but it was also Imagine. under under Westphalia Bambata, wasn't it? Yes, so, exactly so right. this this is obviously Westphalia, the part of Germany where yeah. you are from, where Munster yeah. is, and Bambata from Africa, Bambata, and yeah. this is where your yeah. name Westbam came yeah. from. But yeah. a change of name. I mean, as I mentioned at the beginning, I'm my real name is Stephen James, and my stage name, which I changed to be on MTV, was yeah. Steve Blame, and I had a ton of therapy in my life. And when I talk to therapists, they always say that when you change your name, you develop a second personality. So you yeah. have a different personality. So I, I have a different personality yeah. to Steve Blame, yeah. which I think is the one that gets into trouble. And we talk about that nightclub a bit later. And what happens? It gets all the blame for it. <laughs> it gets no? the blame for it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so. <laughs> exactly. So who is West Bam in relation to Maximilian Lentz? Yeah, well, kind of like West Bam is funny. It's re really a, a name that developed, kind of like. Um, when I came to Berlin, you know, people in West Berlin, at the, at the time, there was no Aussies around. Well, they were around, but behind the wall somewhere, you know, hidden. So people would always blame the West Germans. So the worst word in, in West Berlin was Vessis, you know. That was a bad word because Aussies, they didn't get bothered by Aussies, but by those West German tourists. So for me, again, that's my anti-authorian thing to say like, well, <clears throat> I come from Westphalia. So I, I put the West in my, my, my name even, you know. <clears throat> that was kind of a provocation at the time. 
so when I um, started playing at the Metropole, which was the big gay club in Berlin, again, that was another big underground that you didn't have. Probably worldwide, you didn't have such a big uh, and quite crass gay scene as, as that scene in, in Berlin at the time. When I played there, uh, I changed my name from Westphalia Bambata to, at first I was West Bam with a B at the end, and then it changed to West Bam, you know? And that, yeah, well, it's kind of a weird name, I guess, you know? And I, I'm not even sure, you know, I think at the time it, it was not clear to me, but clear from my name, I would never have a career in the West, but rather in the East, because West sounds good to the East, more to, than to the West, yeah? So, uh, uh, and it sounds, I, I, I realize, like, when Americans hear that name, they're like, oh, that's a weird name. They prefer somebody we call Paul Van Dyke or Armin van Buren, you know? <laughs> that's, that's names. So, uh, 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 so a lot of, uh, so you kind of, when you give yourself a name, I think, unconsciously, you decide upon your faiths to some extent, you know? And I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not upset at all, you know, because deep in my heart, also being a historic person, I always thought I could do better in the East than in the West world, you know? And I, until today, I think the heart of rave music beats more in the East than in the West. You're listening to Pop, The History Makers, with me, Steve Blame. I think I want to come to one, one point that actually connects to that, because the 80s for me in Britain, which is very different yeah. from in Berlin, but the 80s yeah, yeah, yeah. for me in Britain were really dominated by you know, unemployment, social unrest, uh, yeah, homophobia, yeah. sexism, misogyny. Yeah. It was, you know, there was a, a, a pile of shit going on. Yeah. And at the same time, there was an absolute amazing amount of great music during the early 80s yeah, when yeah. you came to the late 80s and then yeah. you know acid house and techno and all these yeah. um uh, different i i think they're sort of lifestyle genres came into being they change yeah. the society or they came at the time that society was changing now you played you know as you just mentioned in the metropole you played in a gay club and yeah. in in part of the 80s, and I remember that, in the early 80s, I felt comfortable as a gay man in gay clubs. Yeah. In the late 80s, it was okay to go to, you know, a techno house, whatever, a warehouse type event where they played that sort of music. Mm -hmm. um, and it was very mixed and it was very much more of, of a yeah, sort of yeah. what we see today as a modern society where we're all together yeah. and we don't yeah. just identify into our little groups. Yeah. How was that in Berlin and how did that relate to East and West? Yeah, well, th that kind of like uh, is very interesting because at the time I realized the, the metropole, when, before I started DJing, uh, and I was just a pupil away in the west of uh, West Berlin, uh, my classmates uh, would rave about the metropole. So the metropole was, although it was a gay club, at the time it already had a cult following of straight people, kind of like the, the gay crowd was like the host, 
and was their music and their culture, but it had kind of clicked onto weird, uh, a weird kind of smaller crowd of uh, uh, suburban teenage people who kind of like like this kind of larger, this posing, this the gay thing, the and like like myself, the energy, you know. So um, I think Berlin was one of the places. I, I remember my, my girlfriend at the time said to me, uh, um, are you gay? Uh, and um, that was the first time I heard it in Münster. I never heard anybody talk, talk about gay people. It was a more normal thing. Like gay people were more a part of it. And the, 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 the question wasn't, wasn't critical or anything. It was just for interest, you know? Uh, so, um, I think that the divide wasn't as deep in Berlin because Berlin, everybody should be happy the way they're happy. That was the vibe always. So the divide between gay and straight people uh, wasn't as bad as it was in uh, most other places, I believe. And that kind of translated into, you know, then um, in the mid-80s where this Macht der Nacht kind of where I started playing house music and on the record night, we had 8,000 people. West Berlin was empty. They were all in our tent, you know? And I played this music that there wasn't a scene for house music or for techno-ish beats. But from the Metropole days, there was a school, a school of, um, of that kind of energy that it felt, you know, and I always saw house techno in the high energy disco tradition. You know, and basically that kind of like developed from, especially for example in Chicago, from this black gay ghetto thing, translated into a, a more major crowd. And then, you know, the girls would come. And when the girls come of, after the while, you know, the boys come. And so the kind of like it, um, that music in a uh, open and that whole culture, starting with the gay. Uh, culture, yeah, help to change society. I believe you mentioned before also about uh, changing on. society. I one little, I'm, I'm, I'm running out of energy. I need uh, to get okay, power up. Yeah, okay. power up. One, one, one second. No, I'm going to leave you running. That's what we do on this podcast. Okay, uh, now we're safe. Okay. Ooh. We're back on again, are we? Okay, good. Uh, back on, yeah. Yeah, what I wanted to say is that you mentioned earlier about the work you did in, you know, inverted commas, for the German government, for the West, yeah, in terms yeah, yeah. of, you know, bringing down the wall and bringing yeah, societies yeah. together. But it's, 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 it's not a joke, is it, really? It's something that really is fundamentally true, that that played a role. Can you also explain what role that played and what connection did it make to the young people in the East at that time behind the Iron Curtain? Yeah, well, that part, you know, I always had the tendency to believe music can do something so like in a, um, in a political way. And the best thing music can do is free your mind. You know, the best music frees your mind. So even... In 87, you remember uh, uh, Gorbachev and Perestroika. Due to Indulis Bilzins, who was Latvian, at the time it was a part of the 
Soviet Union, we got this invitation to play in Russia, uh, not, not Russia, Soviet Union. Latvia wasn't Russia, so, uh, Soviet Union. So uh, Was that in Riga? That's Riga. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's a legendary gig. And we did like two or even three events at the time. And in those days, I mean, that they were testing, what can we do now? Is Perestroika about opening up? And I was a little part of that in, in Riga. Because they, they were like looking for their kind of freedom from and hoping to uh, be able to break away from Soviet Union at the time, which eventually happened. But at the time, they were still a part of it. And then uh, then again, there was a Russian group uh, from Riga who saw me perform uh, from, uh, sorry, from St. Petersburg. They were called Pop Mechanics. And they performed that night in Riga and they saw me and then we did a gig together. They asked me and they said, yeah, that's great scratching and, you know, mixing stuff. So I, I was mixing Zig Zig Sputnik into that Russian band live on stage and, and so on. So, um, so that's only to say, yeah, well, kind of like that, that whole changing the world to me with, by music took place again, more in the East than in the West. You know, in West Germany, West Berlin, in America, you have a lot of trends and they go by and they something, you know, but that music at that very special time, I'm not saying, you know, that brought down the wall, but uh, did something that is over the average of what pop music usually does, you know? And to come back to Berlin, well, there were all these radio shows on Sender Freies Berlin, you know, the free, you know, the uh, transmitting from uh, the West right into the East, you know, and all these kids in East Berlin would listen to these shows and they would fantasize about that, you know, the little club that I took you to in 89 before the war came down, UFO, you know, which happened, as you might remember, to be quite empty at the time, you know, but for the East German kids, that was a place that they would dream to one day, maybe, but they wouldn't even hope to dream. They could join that and, you know, dance to acid music and be really crazy and free, whereas they live under this oppressive, oppressive system that holds them down and keeps them away from it. But so like that kind of like craving for it, that was the root was planted with the music, with the radio shows, obviously. And um, well, and the, the proof of what I say is um, that after the coming weekends, after the war came down, the UFO suddenly burst, you know, with was bursting with people. It was like overcrowded, you know, before, in 89, you know, there had been acid in 88 that had been on the cover of Bravo and it was like kind of like a major kind of pop trend even in Germany and England even more. But kind of there was in West Berlin that was going down, you know, was on the way out, you know, because there was no real use for it, you know. And it was just, yeah, you could dance to that, but we could listen to Minnesota funk and dance to uh, Prince um, wouldn't that be a good idea now, you know? And it was only for the, those East German kids that suddenly overcrowded uh, 
the UFO, that kind of techno culture in Berlin developed a whole new logic, you know, because at that point, it was not just a fad from last year that was on the way out. Now, it's a point of uh, craving and of fantasizing and of um, uh, this new music that's so much different from anything in East Germany, you know, that's not about songs, that's not state control, that's not uh, not the you know not even the East German protest songs with the old guitar going blah blah blah. It was just the future. It was electronic. It was super Western, and kind of that. All these dreams and hopes of these kids, you know, as I've said a million times, but it's still true. All these hopes and these dreams. Uh, and the, these like almost like children that, you know, uh, a door is open and there's like this magic wonderland behind it. And now it's all open up and the game starts all over and everywhere it's glittering and it's freedom and it's future. And it's all, and it's love, peace and it's um, uh, progress and it's democracy and it's liberalism and it's no state control no more kind of the music got loaded with that, you know, and that's, you know. Um, I remember being in Berlin when the, just yeah. after the wall came down. I was there be just before, I think that was our night, which not long before. And I was there afterwards. And um, there was this very anti the East feeling when people saw the people oh. from the East come, come over in what they were wearing with these yeah, washed yeah, out yeah, denims yeah, yeah. and how they were with their, uh, you know, horrendous exactly. 70s haircuts and God knows what. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, the yeah, point, I mean, but the point of contact between the two people, as it were, of the yeah, two peoples yeah, yeah, between yeah, East yeah, and West yeah, was yeah. in these clubs, Absolutely. wasn't it? This was the point of yeah, contact. Yeah. This is where they actually did mix yeah. and where yeah. there was some exactly. relations started between yeah. East and West. And I think yeah. that was massively important. Uh, I, I agree to that 100%. And even... It was a nice mix because like kind of the music and uh, most of the DJs at the time came from West Berlin, but the energy, the people came from East Berlin. It was in their locations, Haus der Jungtalente and, you know, what they always say, you know, warehouses, empty ones in East Berlin. That's one thing I hate about like the, the West, uh, um, the Western look uh, at the techno revolution. They always say, well, they had these empty houses in, in in East Berlin, you know, as if it was about empty houses, you know. It was full houses, and these kids were the uh, the, the East uh, Berlin kids. And it kind of, I learned from that, you know, because I saw this new kind of energy and, and kind of like, because this was what I was all about all the time, you know, kind of like free your mind, take the music and do something wild, revolutionize it, make it more crazy, take the energy, take it over the top. And kind of like, I, I had a little, you know, like Berlin was, also West Berlin was one of the best places for it, you know, but it wasn't until the wall came down why it was taken to a whole new level. And this is about the people of East Berlin rather than about the empty houses of East Berlin, you know? Because, mind you, 
there were lots of empty houses in West Berlin as well, you know, because Berlin, West Berlin, you know, didn't have any jobs. That's kind of like what made West Berlin fun, you know. It would only attract more or less useless people like myself, you know. Uh, 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 and, uh, you know, all these gay people and people who didn't want to go to the army. Whereas when you're a West Berliner, you know, you would go to West Germany to be a dentist or whatever, you know, so all the reasonable people left and all the scum like myself would go there, you know. So, <laughs> so uh, kind of like that kind of... And, and okay, these people who were there kind of were like very arrogant. So like, as I say, when the war was up, the bad uh, word was Wessies from West Germany. Now, when the war came down, that you had a whole, for the West Berliner, you had a whole new tribe of bad people. That was the um, East, East, East uh, Aussies, you know? So, but um, I wouldn't take that uh, personally against the Aussies because... The West Berliners hated the Wessies as well, you know, so, so that's a little bit like English mentality, you know, don't worry about it. We, yes, of course we hate you, but we hate anybody anyway, you know, <laughs> you know? never mind, we hate, you know, never mind, we hate Germans, we hate the French and we hate the Italians and we hate the Spanish too, you know. <laughs> You're listening to Pop, The History Makers, with me, Steve Blame. Back in that era, and this you know, refers to that, you know, one of those nights we went out and got completely smashed. Back in that era, the, the, when you went to a, a, a club, there was a, you, you went there for, uh, for the DJ, for the music, and to get completely smashed and to have absolute fun to the extreme. And you went there with a sort of open mind about how... The music would be. I don't think you had a sort of closed mind in any way. It was just like you're going to go with it and see what see what comes. But it was really about having fun and and um, you know taking drugs and just going completely uh, mad. And the best evening was the one where you went as wild as possible because they're the ones yeah. that you can talk about later. Um, yeah. On the night that we had, I just come to that and the difference to today. But on the night that we had. I remember being there with you and um, Fabian, DJ Dick, uh, your brother, and uh, we decided to have a competition who could take the most drugs in one night. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's that the plan? I mean, I don't think it was a plan. (laughs) It was an agenda. It was an agenda. I have to say, I won. I remember I won and I had to go. You you two yeah, yeah, you two I went off home. Like, yeah. yeah, I know exactly, yeah, exactly. You were bowing down to me, and I had to go off to the wall and present a piece to camera for MTV at the wall. And I remember I had these dark glasses on, and I just couldn't get my words out. It took ages to do something that normally takes about three seconds. Anyhow, I mean, we're talking about it like. Older people do who had that experience. Yeah, we're yeah. laughing, yeah. we're finding it fun. It's back then, yeah. but it's with, yeah. you know, don't have any problem with it. It happened. There's a complete different mentality today about going to a club and listening to, to music yeah. and going to see a DJ. Can you tell me what the difference is? Well, I guess there's a million differences, and kind of obviously, any nothing is, everything becomes, you know. So, like, it's it's hard to say. And for even for me, you know, to uh, even judge, 
you know, there's a couple of things that I would uh, say. Um, well, kind of now it's changing, but for example, in the, in the, uh, after the nineties, how do you call this? I call it the zeros, you know, the, the noughties, the noughties, the zeros between 2001 and, uh, or 2001 and um, 2009, that area era, sorry, uh, people kind of like turned because um, you know, the, these were the minimal days when, uh, and, and people sobered up and kind of even from the East German kids, kind of like the illusion of that complete wonder world, the glittering where everybody's free and happy and the drugs and the dancing and, and the raving society and the place uh, uh, behind the rainbow or whatever, you know, all of that kind of like had shown that is, you know, the world wouldn't change completely, you know, but, but the same problems are still there and stuff. And people were kind of like frustrated. And especially when that 9-11 thing happened, the whole mentality changed. And with that came, you know, the, 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 um, the beginning of the Berkheim era and all that kind of like, no, we don't want to go naked on the love raid. And like Mott just said, we are, are going to be uh, one mankind because everybody's going to be here on the love raid and we're all going to get naked and dance to techno music and be happy about the future. Suddenly you had these people saying, oh, not everybody in the world loves us. Not everybody wants to be progressive. Liberalism might be a good thing for us, but other people would rather hide their women and dress up to, to, to the eyes, you know? And, and from that very same kind of mindset came a club like uh, uh, the club scene in, in that era that kind of suddenly was not about, we're inviting everybody and we have this great rave signal to uh, um, unify us behind this idea. But suddenly it was like, we want to keep the world out. It kind of was a little bit again like the old West Berlin, who wanted to be a little world and not be bothered by the problems and not be bothered by Aussies or Vessies or by tourists who just want to be there among themselves and and be quiet and not even promote West Berlin because you wouldn't want anybody to come anyway. You you know, so it's kind of like that became the the vibe uh, in that decade to come and kind of like people yeah sobered up in a lot of ways and i realized you know in that today's has changed again but in that decade people like us were like um, very much the the has-beens that would get you know that would like uh, go out and get drunk or you know and people I, I, then I, on social network you read uh, oh, he had like three drinks at his DJ table. What what kind of working ethos is that, you know? It, it, serious, it, I couldn't believe it. I said like, uh, yeah, this kind of like, yeah, we want to keep uh, a good crowd. We want to be among ourselves. We want a DJ to do a proper job well, and so on. That was kind of like, okay, Backhand was different. Backhand kind of still was the flag of, we want to get naked. 
but um, a lot of the techno culture and other ways were like more this kind of, uh, you know, ideals that, for example, Paul Van Dyke lived up to, you know, kind of like techno is a, a clean thing and you are politically correct and you uh, you want to do a positive music and you dress up in, uh, in fashionable stuff and you go to a party and listen to a DJ and um, you make yourself reasonable ideas about the future and plans and you be that type of like straight straight up person, you know? Um, um, and kind of like over the last kind of years and especially now, um, well, after the Corona times, I ha I'm hesitant now to say, but with, because we're still in the Corona times, but when clubs kind of like first opened up again, I felt this energy and it made me, for example, play a lot harder because again, I, uh, I realized, yeah, wow, this is cool. You know, the, the, peop the kids want, um, uh, want something more energetic and harder again because of all the pressure and all the energy that's gotten hold down for, for such a long time now, you know, and that the logic for, for, for this new type of energy kicks in. And I hope the next couple of years, you know, now I'll make a prediction again, you know, this kind of new energetic uh, and more again, social and open up and meet everybody and be open to a lot of new beats and new people that I think, and I hope, but we'll, once we get over that Corona thing, which I hope in one way or another we will at some point, um, that would be my dream, but also my prediction for the next 10 years. You know? Okay, Max, listen, yeah. it was great yeah. to see you again. It's great to see you looking so good and uh, so fit. Cheerio. And uh, well, especially, you know, low carb diet, man. Oh, is it? Low well, carb. I think I need Back one. Back in the days, it was drugs. Now it's low carb. You know. Back in the days, <laughs> it was groupies. Now it's securities. But hey, we'll never stop living this way. And that's it for this interview with Westbam. If you liked this, I'm sure you'd also like the Martin Ware from Heaven 17 interview, where he talks about Sheffield as having a massive impact on his life. So have a listen to that. Or take a dive into something a little different. A raw and wonderfully emotional interview with Sam Brown. I'll see you soon. <laughs>